This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. The series Good Omens continues the tale of an earthbound angel and demon played by Michael Sheen and David Tennant. They've been around since in the beginning, and they worked together to prevent the apocalypse back in season one. Now in season two, they're stuck with an amnesiac archangel played by John Hamm, whom they must hide from both heaven and hell until they can figure out what happened to it and why. I'm Glenn Weldon, and today we're talking about the prime video series Good Omens on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Squarespace. Kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI, generating instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. No matter the placement, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Use code HAPPYHOUR to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mattress Firm. How do you sleep at night? Mattress Firm can help anyone sleep at night. Mattress Firm's sleep experts receive 200-plus hours of training annually to help you get your best rest. Upgrade your sleep with a Tempur-Pedic mattress made with a -a one-of-a-kind, infinitely adaptable temper material for exceptional support to help alleviate aches and pains. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night. Do you wish stories could unfold over three hours rather than three minutes? You tired of doom scrolling? Trying to find humanity? Or maybe a deeper understanding of why the world is the way it is? Listen to Embedded, NPR's original documentary series. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me today is the host of WBEZ's Nerdette podcast, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. Greta Johnson, hey. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Thank you. And congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. It's nuts. I mean, Pop Culture Happy Hour has been around longer, so I'm not the oldest one in the room, which I always appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you will get to go to the senior discount, get early bird specials at uh, Rustler. Yes. (laughs) Also with us is video producer for NPR's Jazz Night in America and the co-host of the podcast, A Thousand Eyes and One, Nikki Birch. Welcome back, Nikki. Hey, happy to be here. Excited to talk about this. Happy to have you. Okay, so the second season of Good Omens reteams actors Michael Sheen and David Tennant as the fussy, dithering angel Aziraphale and the loose, <laughs> hard-living demon Crowley, respectively. In the first season, John Hamm played the archangel Gabriel, basically heaven's second-in-command, as kind of a condescending corporate jerk who was more than willing to destroy Aziraphale for preventing Armageddon. Ultimately, both Aziraphale and Crowley were fired from their respective positions, but allowed to walk the earth among humans. In the new season, Gabriel's back, but he's mysteriously lost his memory, so Aziraphale and Crowley hide him in Aziraphale's London bookshop while Heaven and Hell maneuver to take advantage of his absence. The plot of this season meanders back and forth (laughs) through time and space, from the very beginning of all things, to biblical times, to the Victorian era, to the Blitz, to modern-day London— with detours through heaven and hell and through the romantic lives of a couple of queer London shopkeepers. The first series was based on the best-selling novel by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Season two goes beyond the book and was co-written by Gaiman and John Finnamore. 
Good Omens is streaming now on Prime Video. We've seen the first five of this six-episode season, so we'll keep our comments to those first five episodes. And we should note that Amazon supports NPR and pays to distribute some of our content. All right, Nikki, let me start with you. What'd you think? I really liked it, but it took me a while to get into it because I, you know, I really love the book. I think the book is really fun and quirky. I thought they did a really good job adapting it in the first season. I had forgotten that they kind of resolved everything. So when I started watching this, I was like, wait a second, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. Like, are these flashbacks? I'll be honest. Like, I felt a little bit resistant to get into it because I just didn't know what they were going to do with it. Mm -hmm. But as as the episodes went on, I was all in. (laughs) All right. What about you, Greta? I, I mean, gosh, I feel like it's always kind of a sticky wicket to like branch off from the source material. (laughs) I mean, I would love to talk to both of y'all about just like things that you think have pulled that off because it's a Mm -hmm. very short list. Not Game of Thrones. Right. Yeah, not Game of Thrones. (laughs) Glad I didn't have to say it. But yeah, I mean, Nikki, I love that you used the word quirky because I think that's a really good one for this show. It captures like a very specific vibe that I really enjoy. I, Michael Sheen and David Tennant in these roles are so much fun yes. and I love the existentialism of it all like the capital G good the capital B bad the messy mm. in between like it's really fun to wrestle with all of that stuff and those were the parts mm-hmm. of this show that I really love yeah same well okay so when I reviewed the first season for NPR mm-hmm. I just basically said how much I love the uh, unapologetic Britishness of this show. <laughs> yes, it is. With the it understanding is. that unapologetic Britishness is a contradiction in terms, but let's let's move right. on. So the joke of this show is what I love, how high the stakes are and how everyone treats those stakes as if Armageddon would be vaguely impolite. Mm. And also how low the hair and makeup budget is. I feel like that has to be a part of that <laughs> equation too. <laughs> the doctor of it all. Exactly. But in terms of vibes, I wrote the same word down, vibes. Mm. Everything about this show mm. is cottage core. It's fusty. I it's dusty. It's core. tufted. It's a very milky tea. <laughs> you know how Downton Abbey, they could build a three episode arc out of like uh, the spot of bother with the pudding spoons. That's this, right? <laughs> this is... This is a Jaffa cake, Dunkin' Sticky Toffee Pudding, stuffed into a Wellington boot, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. So while I think this season is not as good as the first, mm-hmm. because I think on a plot level, let's talk about this, yeah. but on a plot level, it's kind of a meandering mess. Yeah. It's such a cozy little mess that yeah. I'm yeah. okay with it. Because this show runs on vibes. You know, you're watching it. It's a cold, rainy day, under a warm eider down. Mm. Because every time I would start to feel like I didn't know what was going on or why we were spending so much time right. in Victorian Edinburgh, yes. for example – the dialogue of this show, it would pull that trick, that mm. British circumlocution trick of like, is it the apocalypse? Mm. Well, um, ish, I suppose. And I'd be like, mm, <laughs> I'm in. this I'm is in. my jam. This is my marmalade. This is my quince. But let's talk about it. So the plot of three episodes have what the press notes refer to as minisodes, but we will not be using that term because the term flashback already exists. <laughs> but that's what it is. So we get flashbacks to Victorian Edinburgh, to the Book of Job, to the London Blitz. What do you make of those? I enjoyed seeing the very beginning um, because mm-hmm. something that struck me about this season is it felt like, – I'm not sure if it's actually more colorful and vibrant, but it felt more colorful mm-hmm. and vibrant to me. Um, so that beginning scene with, like, creation was really, really fun. But I think, like, it's not that I hate romance, right? But for it to be driving the entire plot was kind of 
it, when it resolves itself, it's cute, right? Um, oh, and just to clarify, you're talking about the two shopkeepers, Maggie and Nina, yeah. played by Maggie Service and Nita Sasonia. They get a plot line uh, where Aziraphale and Crowley uh, have to play matchmaker with them. And obviously there's a parallel here because Nina is the grumpy one. She's the coffee shop owner and Maggie's the you know kind of lovesick one. That and then the other like, you know, subtle romance between the angel and the demon thing. Yeah, so I don't I don't always love that aspect of it, but I think that they, you know, ultimately they ended up doing a good job telling that story. And I thought it was really funny to see Crowley go along with Aziraphale's plan to make them fall in love. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't expect that. We wanted him. You want expecting him to be bad, but I think through all of the flashbacks, you get this really interesting um nina says in the in one of the earlier episodes about tough choices and you get this gray area or the blurred lines Mm. between what's good and what's bad um and how you can how doing something good can actually end up being a bad thing and how doing something bad can actually turn out for the best oh that's interesting you're clarifying something that i had a question about which is Mm. while i enjoyed the flashbacks i didn't often know why i was watching them yes what the what work they were doing, Greta? Mm. Would you make hard same, Glenn? I really liked. I think to your point, Nikki, like the first one, and I really liked the one about Job also because mm. I think it really clarifies how complicated, especially Old Testament God is, and <laughs> yeah. how like a lot of us don't question a lot of that stuff. So I really liked the first two because I think it really clarified the way both of our main characters have complicated feelings about Mm -hmm. good and evil and what the right thing to do is and that they, you know, and it really codifies the fact that like they do have to end up in the middle because that's the only place where they can make choices that they can live with. Yeah. But once we got past those flashbacks, like I don't think there was enough in those scenes to like track the course of their relationship. I think that's kind of what they were trying to do is to show like, this is how they awkwardly, you know, this odd couple become friends I'm like, should these be half hour episodes? Should the stakes just be lower? No. Like one thing I was like, right. could we just watch them like solve little mysteries around the neighborhood? And would I be happier with that show? Oh, yeah. That would be really cute. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say real quick is that I rewatched it mm. and all of those things that you're talking about, yeah. like the Edinburgh scene, they make sense. Okay. I did see the sixth episode and when that comes back around, it all makes sense. I'm really glad to hear that. I think what I was reacting to is there's so much happening in those flashbacks yeah. mm-hmm. compared to what's happening in the present day. Yes. Like there's zombie Nazis <laughs> in the flashbacks. They're just a thing that happens in, in one of the flashbacks. They're not the thing that happens yeah. in that flashback. As opposed to the present day, which not only is it just kind of like this matchmaking plot is the main plot that we follow, mm. but all of it happens within that one little tiny city block. Right. Yeah. But let's talk about the connection between uh, Sheen and Tenet. Mm. As you mentioned, it's a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They have this incredible rapport. So, are you shipping these two? Because certainly the internet mm-hmm. is. Are you shipping Aziraphale and Crowley? I'm here for it. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know that Crowley knows that, you know, let's, if we're going to support this theory, I don't know that Crowley knows that he's in love or has love for Aziraphale. He just knows that he wants to protect him because that's his buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, they've yeah. weathered so much together. You know, they come to this decision that I'll help you and you'll help me. 
throughout all of these flashbacks, you see that he's really there for him. He's really mm-hmm. supportive of him. Like with the magic, it's like <laughs> volunteering to do the magic trick, even though he's never, you can see, never shot a gun in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like them as just friends. See, me too. That's my thing. I think their, you know, friendship is still such an underrepresented genre. Mm. I think, you know, like that I, and the fact that they are so unlikely to become friends, but they really have formed this lovely alliance. I kind of love the idea that, that that's all it is and that that's really beautiful and kind of miraculous in its own way too. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. I mean, I, you know, I don't even know what a ship between them would look like because they don't have genitals. <laughs> what would it be? The kissing and, and holding hands. I do think it's very clear that Shane is playing Aziraphale as a guy who has a crush on his friend. Mm-hmm. And I'd argue that Tennant is playing Crowley as someone who is fully aware of that mm. but only pretends that he's not because he really likes the attention and yeah. he has no interest in reciprocating. Ooh, so basically, like Sheen is playing me in college <laughs> and Tennant <laughs> is playing every hot guy in college. What did you think? You mentioned, Nikki, you mentioned John Hamm here. Mm-hmm. Now, John Hamm as a guy is a true comedy nerd. He oh hangs out God. with comedians. He has a he had a fun turn on 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. He did a Fletch movie that far too few people saw where he just showed a really easy, unforced ability to steer into comedic acting. What'd you make of him here where he's he's got a lot more to do than he had in the first season? Oh, I thought he was hilarious. It's not forced. He's not trying to be funny, right. but the way that he delivers all of those little moments, it just feels very natural. Mm-hmm. Like he keeps flipping that around. Like, who are you? And uh, like when he turns it back to them and says, I don't know who I am. Who am I? Those moments to me were all really cute and really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved the moment in the fifth episode where he's like handing out food and he keeps saying like, I didn't make it and you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I am an assistant bookseller, but these are not books. They're little pieces of food, and I'm not selling them. I'm giving them away. Then, most certainly, we must indulge ourselves. Just the complete naivete of it, and it's just like, it just comes off as utterly charming, I think. Yeah. It's also like completely absurd and like mostly useless. (laughs) I think that's my favorite part of this the absurdity of this all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, just to go back to the Britishness of the show, it, it always seems to me like he's playing a British person's view of what Americans are like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like in the first season, he was a corporate bro. And in this season, he's kind of the clueless tourist. Yeah. <laughs> <who> yeah. <laughs> just be, where's Westminster Abbey? Like that, that, that kind of thing. That's so, amazing. And so we, we mentioned Maggie and Nina, the shopkeepers who have a relationship that mirrors Crowley and uh, Aziraphale's. What'd you make of these guys? I also liked it, though I think a thing that really confused me throughout this season was around stakes. And Uh I think there were instances where the stakes felt too low and instances where the stakes felt too high. And I wasn't really sure how to reconcile those things. And I thought there was a real sweetness to Nina and Maggie. But, you know, to your point, Glenn, for that to be like kind of the main plot point in our modern day times, aside from, of course, the big question of what happened to Gabriel's memory and, you know, whether this is another apocalypse impending is Uh like – It was tricky at points to figure out, like, wait, am I supposed to care about this or am I just, like, rolling on vibes, you know? Right. Yeah, and I think that's what I meant about the romance in the beginning is, like, it didn't Mm. seem like a really, you know, strong vehicle to move the plot along because I prefer the other stuff that was happening. Yeah. No, absolutely. And Gaiman has said that he and Pratchett had an idea for a second book. This isn't that. Um, (laughs) This is kind of a pause between – 
And I think he's hinting very strongly that if they get a season three, it's going to be a lot more big and expansive like like season one was. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we want to know what you think about Good Omens. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Greta Johnson, Nikki Birch, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Of course. We want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet and you want to show your support and listen to this show without a single solitary sponsor, break, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour, or visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Ramel Wood and edited by Jessica Reedy, and Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Glenn Weldon, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Delta Airlines. When you think about it, half the trips the world takes are trips home. And those at Delta are travelers just like you. That's why they try to make you feel at home long before you even get there. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.